Hello and welcome to Nerd Punches Nerd, where nerds pretend to physically fight over minor pop culture minutia. I'm Jeremy, here with Benji and Sam. Hello. Hello. So, today we're just going to be doing a little chat about some of the news of the day, a little bit of thoughts about some comic book movies, you know, and, uh, you know, a little bit of our memories of the uh, recently deceased Robin Williams. But I think we're going to start by talking about this Deadpool thing. Now, I assume that you guys don't know much about Deadpool, right? Okay, yeah. so, so I know a bit about Deadpool. Okay. Um, like, I know, I know more or less who he is and what, you know, what his, a little bit of what his character is like. I haven't read any of his comics, though. Right. Right. So, Sam, come. how would you describe him? Okay. So, from what I know of Deadpool, the, the main thing that you have to know about him is that he's, like, completely bonkers insane. Um, has numerous personalities or, like, voices in his head or voices that actually come out of his mouth. I don't know. It's sort of unclear. Um, and he, like, basically, he's sort of... He's, like, the only comic book character who sort of, like, understands that, like, everything that's happening to him is, like, artificial... And it's just like, basically that he like under, I, I don't know if he understands that he's living in a comic book, but it seems like he, he, you know, understand, from what I've heard, I think like sometimes he does seem to understand that. Um, and like talk directly to the audience and like make fun of the plot and just like, just be like zany and ridiculous. Um, uh -huh. and um. also he is lives in like intense pain all the time because he has these like crazy tumors growing in his body or something but he's like constantly healing also um and that's about all i know of him i don't really know like, all right what well his you've got motivations it. are i know he's yeah. a mercenary you got it mostly right, right? i know he's a mercenary yeah. that's all that's the only other thing i know about him really yeah well he's called the merc with a mouth yeah. because of mercenary because he loves talking and i don't know everything about the history other than he was invented by Rob Liefeld in the 90s and just became very popular. He, he was invented by Rob Liefeld. Interesting. Is that? Who is that? He's just a Rob famous Liefeld? comic book artist, often known for his very weird proportions at certain points, like really badly done anatomy. But okay. he's, he's known for drawing like ridiculously over-muscled, over-armored overarmed mm -hmm. sort of mm -hmm. characters um you know who are always like very intense and extreme like this is like big in the 90s right so deadpool sort of fit in very well there he has very similar powers to say wolverine in that he can heal and he also has like sam was saying some injuries that are constantly there and he supposedly he like lost his face or something so he can't die but he looks like horrific so he always wears a mask and uh -huh. basically, Sam was sort of saying, like, there's this whole thing about talking to the audience. Basically, he does break the fourth wall. However, the, the in-universe explanation is that he's crazy. He, you know, uh -huh. Basically, he thinks, like, there's this whole reference to little yellow boxes where, where like, little yellow boxes start talking, and he, and he responds to them. Mm -hmm. You know, like the ones you see in comics, except this one's That's talking. So he, so the in-universe explanation is that it's all in his head and that he's crazy. 
and he's just hearing voices. But he believes he's actually in a comic. Now, every other time that you see Deadpool, they extend this. So, for example, when he's shown up in various different TV shows, uh, I believe he was in the Spider-Man cartoon, in an X-Men cartoon, in an Avengers cartoon. It's all Marvel. He, all, you know, he'll sort of make references to it being a TV show or a cartoon or something. Right. When hmm. in the Street Fighter game, the like Marvel vs. Capcom, he has he also sort of knows it's a video game. You know, he I think his final move is he grabs the health bar and hits the other person with it. <laughs> uh, if he um if you lose, he says, "Oh, you should have done better." You know, that kind of thing. And, like, for example, in the Lego Marvel superhero game, which I, I think I told you a little bit about, you know, he basically, he shows up, like, he'll, as you're doing, like, loading screens, he'll, like, show up in the loading screen. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, and, like, you know, he, it's that kind of thing. So, Deadpool was a character first in the movies introduced in the X-Men Origins Wolverine movie. Really? In which he was played by Ryan Reynolds. And... You know, when you think about it, it's kind of like okay, I could yeah, yeah I could see that. Yeah. You know, he's he's got a you know he's got a good way of talking, like the smart mouth thing. It's better than Green Lantern in a lot of ways, or at least the the version of Green Lantern that we got. But one of the problems is that at one point in the movie, they basically sew up his mouth. So it's like, well, part of the fun part of Deadpool is that he's a jerk, and if he can't right. say anything, you're sort of making it less him less interesting. He just becomes like a standard... Like, if you remember from X-Men 2, there's this character named Lady Deathstrike. Yeah. Played by Kelly Hu, who just had... Yeah. She was like a female Wolverine, sort of, except it came out of her fingers. Right, but right. she basically, right. like, never talks. Exactly. I'm saying it's like that, which is just yeah. sort of like an obstacle, but it's not interesting. Uh, there are a lot of problems with X-Men Origins Wolverine, and that's just one of them. So, they originally planned to have a Deadpool spinoff. But that so, but, movie but here's the thing. did like, so I, poorly. I knew all that, and like, what's 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 funny about it is that like, if you ask me to name one actor that I think would like best be able to play Deadpool, I would have picked Ryan Reynolds probably. Like, I can't think of anyone better than him. I thought you were going to say Robin Williams. <laughs> uh, well, that would be interesting well, too. But in the case of so the stuff I showed you, Robin Williams. Yeah, I guess yeah. if he, you know, Robin Williams like. 30 or 40 years ago. Right. So yeah. th this leak footage that you guys saw, it was, it was sort of a, it's an interesting thing what happened. Basically, a couple years ago, a, there's this studio called Blur Animation Studio. They're like a special effects CGI type thing. They came up with a concept video for a proposed script, which does exist, but Fox decided not to make it. And Rob Liefeld was in on that part because he, as a creator, he you know, he gets a little bit of input, and he got to see, he got to see the script, he got to see the test footage. It was all CGI, but Ryan Reynolds played the voice, so a very grainy, not great version of the footage first shown online a couple weeks ago, and it was like, what is this real? Is this like a joke? Is it like a fan thing, like a really good fan video? Because you know that kind of thing has happened before. People have right. made fan videos of Deadpool. And Rob Liefeld basically, he tweeted, he's like, yeah, I don't know what the deal is, but that is the, that is the footage. Or at least part of it. Wait, it was Ryan Reynolds' voice? Yes. It was his voice. Okay. And then, so I, it's sort of like weird how it happened, but then Blur put out 
the video or somebody leaked it or what they say is that somebody hacked it out of them. I guess maybe to make it so that they don't have responsibility, but who knows? <laughs> what does that mean? That somebody hacked into their system and got the video and posted it online? Seems unlikely. Yeah, well, it's possible. But anyway, and a much better quality version was online for a while until that one was then taken down. And you know, that's the version that you saw. Uh-huh. But as you could see, you know, if you uh, had, I don't know if you were able to tell, but it was all CG. You know, that was not real. The guys, you know, the, yeah, that's right. the, the people didn't look that great. They looked fine, you know, considering they've gotten better at CG people, but they still yeah. look kind of, yeah. you know, fakey. Right. He looked pretty good because it was a, just a costume. A yeah, and like all the other objects and like the roads and the car, that stuff looks pretty good because they're very good at making that stuff look real at by this point. Right. You know, you can basically get a, a real model of a car and then just animated it a little bit. So it basically it's essentially almost the same as having a real car because you can make it photorealistic. With right. people it's a different story, of course. But you know, it's there was a there is a not that well sold Deadpool video game, which I didn't buy, but I watched some videos of people playing it online. I was like, eh, this seems alright. Oh, but, yeah, I've seen a little bit of that game too. It just seemed very not interesting to me. So to actually buy it. Like I watched some of the videos and just so although some parts seem kind of funny, like I think in the beginning of the game, he gets into a conversation with the voice actor who plays him. Like he calls him on the phone. He's like, hey, hey man, you got to play. How come there's no game of me? He's like, oh, I don't know. I guess that's a good idea. Something like that. And I thought that was kind of clever. But then, you know, it seemed like the game kind of got samey. Like he just, you know, which is the problem with a lot of adaptation things. Is that it's hard to come well, up with clever ideas. It's, it's also the style of the game, because that game was kind of a like hack and slash. Exactly. Or, you know, I'm not sure what the what the exact term is, but it's the style of game tends to be kind of repetitive. You know, and they could have made a different genre of game, but that's just what they chose to do. So I've heard rumors that Fox is gonna try to make an X Force really? game uh movie and They'll just have Deadpool be a part of that, which I guess would be a way to do it. Because, you know, I guess the problem with Deadpool is that it's the same problem with Hercules, that, that rock movie that came out recently, is that it really should have been rated R. And if Deadpool isn't rated R, it seems like it's definitely not going to be as good. Because, you know, he's supposed to be a jerk, he's supposed to be cutting people up and shooting people, you know, cursing. And you could do some yeah. of that with PG-13, but you can't really do... It's, it's one of those like weird things, like you could curse, you know, like you can mildly curse like ten times, and you can yeah. seriously curse like twice, and, yeah. and then there's yeah, some can't things... can't be more than two fucks. Right. Exactly. And there are some words you still can't say, like the C word, if you will, uh, right. you cannot say in a PG-13 movie at all. And so, I, remember, I remember in the the director's comedy of PCU, mm-hmm. they mentioned that they changed one instance of the word fuck to something else. Mm-hmm. I don't know, suck or something like that. Because <laughs> they were like, you're only allowed to have one fuck to keep your PG-13 rating. So they, right. they had to change one of them and like leave one in. They only had one in the whole movie. Now, I think it is true that if you hear a lot of bad language, it does get in your head a little bit. But you know, it just sort of seems arbitrary. Like, what is two? Why not three? Why not one? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. 
Who knows? Well, I will, I will say that, that, that when it does happen in a PG-13 movie, there's a little more impact, you could say. I think that's like, true, but that means you know, maybe it's, like, worse. There's also a lot of politics that goes into it. Well, that's true, um, too. Where movies, like, big, um, you know, big studio movies get away with more with the equivalent rating than, like, an indie movie. Um, you know, and it sounds like I'm just, like, being a conspiracy theorist, but, like, no, there have been actual studies true. that have shown that, like, you know... The equivalent number of objectionable instances well, of whatever. Like, don't forget, a, this you know, isn't. And a, yeah. a small studio movie is gonna is more likely to get a higher rating, and a big right. studio movie is okay. likely to get a, a lower rating. Well, don't forget, you know, the MPA is not a government organization. It's a private group that right. does that self polices movies. They don't right. have to tell people how they do it. You know, there can be like they can try to have some kind of <laughs> responsibility of some sort, but they don't have to say anything. But I've actually heard, you know, the story about the PCU, whatever, used, you know, only one time using the word fuck, putting that aside. I've heard other stories of people, like, who are made movies who are very frustrated because, like, they would make a movie, the MPAA would give it a rating, and then they would see, well, well, what if we cut it a little bit differently, you know, and we'd send it back to them, and then they, maybe they'll give us a different rating. But, they, but basically complaining that they got very little guidance from the MMPA, um, you know about, like, what exactly they could change in order to change the rating. It's more just like, well, no, there's too much, so you need to make it a little less. But how much less? Uh, right, just, right, uh, right. you know, send us another cut. Right. <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's like a weird thing. I just saw Expendables 3 yeah. at a screening last night, and the, the first two of those movies were rated R. But okay. I'll be honest with you. The, the truth is, although it was a little... I imagine it was probably a soft R. Right. It was a little brutal, but the truth is most of it was digital squibs because they didn't, I don't know, want to have the money or maybe they didn't have the money for, like, real ones. So instead it was kind of, like, not great digital squibs. You know what I mean by squibs, Benji, right? No, no, I don't. A Those squib. Like little blood packs. That with right? a, little, okay. a little explosion, you know, thing. Like a very tiny bit of explosive that goes, you know, so it has a blood pack and a little detonator thing and it blows away. So it shouldn't hurt you, but it's enough to blow up the pack. And right. they've used those in movies for, you know, forever. Yeah, and more yeah. recent times they use these other ones because, you know, it seems to be cheaper, especially if you cut corners. And it doesn't require, and it's a little bit safer. And obviously then you don't have to worry about buying the squibs either. So I'm not sure the actors like it better because then they don't get messy. That's part of it also. Especially in a movie like like the Expendables, where you're talking about a lot of actors that have like very big egos and don't necessarily want to work very hard. Well, it's not they're a, already like they don't complacent. get hit. The huh? main actors aren't really getting hit. In fact, the funny thing is, is that in Expendables three, the only time that we ever that there is ever a real squib, and it doesn't, it's PG thirteen, which is what I was going to get to. Expendables three, the only time that you see people actually get real squibs is for the heroes, which is almost never. Everyone else gets, like, no nothing. And in Expendables Part 1 and 2, they had entirely digital ones. Ones that, if you don't realize it for it to how bad it is, you don't realize it's bad. And then you sort of, once you notice, you're like, oh, that's, that's pretty bad. Because, yeah. it, like, it doesn't line up correctly. You know, it kind of comes out in the wrong way. You're like, oh, that doesn't look right. Look, I remember, Jeremy, you remember when we watched that movie? Zatoichi? Um, Zat yes, that's the one I was going to mention. Zatoichi, the blind swordsman. I do remember. Um, we watched that years ago, 
Um, and as good and as the was, movie that was, that was one of the first movies I think that was made that had extensive yeah. like digital blood effects rather than right. like, practical blood effects. And as good as that was, its effects were not so great. It was very early on, I think, with that kind of stuff. So it doesn't age as well from the from a visual yeah. perspective, yeah. even if like it was well acted and choreographed. But anyway, so that's. Well, the, I thought the dance number at the end of that movie was very well choreographed. Oh, I, I, well, everything was choreographed well in that movie. <laughs> Actually, that's true. The whole movie was well choreographed. It's a good movie. You should watch it. It's Atsuichi, the blind sword. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool. It's a cool concept. Uh, but <laughs> so the point is. I saw the Expendables 3, and I thought, all right, it's fine. You know, it is what it is. I don't really, I mean, it, it is a little weird sometimes to see, like, people getting mowed down and not seeing, like, any blood coming out, especially after you've seen things like Game of Thrones, where they really make sure to show you it, or even things like Quentin Tarantino stuff, where he goes yeah. overboard. Yeah, with it's a, just everything's, <laughs> there's a pools of blood. <laughs> it's like, oh, this guy has 700 just, liters of blood. Oh, like, geysers. Geysers of blood, like fire hoses. Not only does he have like a metric ton of blood, he also has like like serious hydraulic pressure going through his veins. Like, <laughs> does it? Wait, 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 it started with Kill Bill, right? Well, that was like a, that was like specifically dramatic. Yeah, that's true. But he's off, you know, even in like Django. Pulp Fiction, Django had had a, had a quite a good deal of blood yeah. too. Uh, I mean, Kill Bill was especially stylized with that stuff. But he all, you know, he likes to use real stuff. And it's just one of those things, you know. I would think that a Deadpool movie would have to be R to be better, but not to say it couldn't be PG thirteen. I just don't think it would be as good. But yeah. if they make him part of a team, then I feel like maybe they can hide some of the weaknesses of the character, have him a little bit be more. Because the problem with having him be the main person with this whole fourth wall breaking thing. I mean, there are ways you could do it, but it would be really hard to do it right. I mean, think, like, if you were to match how it was in the comic, it would basically mean there would be, like, someone narrating the movie that he would get, he would have a conversation with. And that would have that to be... Could, that could work. Oh, it, yeah, it would just have to be written really well. Because it would be very easy to make that, like, stupid. But I, of course it could work. I mean, we've seen that kind of thing before. I mean, there's a lot of things that have that kind of meta humor, so I think it's possible. It's just a difficult thing. All right. Well, I think it's enough on Deadpool. Wait, I, I, have, I have one thing uh, I haven't said a lot for this. Oh, okay. I, I've heard a lot of people talk yeah. about Deadpool, even recently, mm-hmm. like, like from the past like six months or so. Like, why Has something been going on with Deadpool? Well, has he just been gaining in popularity the past couple of years? Like, I see a lot of people with, uh, with like, especially like, I've seen like a lot of younger people, like people of college, high school, things like that, like, like wearing Deadpool shirts. Well, he and, has like, a cool look. And you know he he is like a very he's a very irreverent character. Okay. So you know when he's shown up in like some of these video games and TV shows, not his own one, I think you know he can be popular. He, you know there's some popular little viral videos online of guys dressing up as Deadpool and doing stuff at you know various comic cons and the like. Right. I think you um, know he's an interesting guy, but that's what I'm saying. Maybe he would work better as part of a team. Well, what do you guys think? His his own movie or team movie, which would be it a better idea? It seems like idea? it would be a really cool, um, a really cool like like idea for a movie. It's it's a little weird, you know what I mean? Which maybe is what they want. At the same time, it's like um, it seems like they they use him. He's kind of like a device to break the fourth wall, just like kind of like he's their go to to do stuff like that. So I think I don't know. 
I mean, I kind of agree with what Jeremy was saying. Like, I think it would be really hard to do a movie that was just about him. Right. Because, like, when you get, like, too much of him, I, I could see that being overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, like, it, it, the joke might not be as funny, you know, if you're watching him for two hours as opposed to just, like, having a small role. Um, that's not to say that it's impossible. I think right. it would be very hard. Right. Well, I know you haven't seen it yet, but that's one of the reasons why Guardians of the Galaxy works very well is that all of the characters have their own specific things that are about, like, their different takes on personalities and, you know, joking ways of doing things that are different from the other ones. They all have different ways of expressing humor, and that way you don't just get overwhelmed by one or the other. So, right. I don't know, I, right. it's one of these things, like, maybe it could be good, but it would be really hard to trust that they would pull it off, I, I guess. Could, like, I could see a whole, you know, like a half-hour cartoon or TV show, like an episode, right. that was all just about, um, oh, you know... Oh, yeah, and there, yeah. Cool. there have been but such like, things. But, like, an entire movie, I think that would be too much. Right. Right. All right, well, let's move on to talking about some of this DC stuff. So, it's interesting because... You know, DC has not had the best luck with movies in right, recent right. years. You know, so they had a pretty, they had like an okay, like we talked about how Batman, you know, sort of was like their saving thing. You know, they had Superman Returns, which, you know, did not do anything close to the numbers that they wanted it to. Right. And because of that, it was sort of like, all right, let's go back to the drawing board. Batman Begins did quite well. And then, of course, Dark Knight did, like, crazy numbers. Just crazy numbers. Right. And then, of course, they tried to do Green Lantern after that, which was a bomb. I think we talked about how it was something like it cost $250 million and made $260 million or something like that, which is just terrible for a movie that expensive. Did it, did it even make that much? Uh, it was something like that. It was 200 and something million. The point is... You know, even if they had had, like, a lot more on the DVD merchandise end, there's no way they made all their marketing budget back. Right. Because that's usually how they justify, you know, marketing a movie for, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars. When when you have a budget that high to begin with, you're really setting yourself up for failure. Well, that wasn't the budget originally. It was because they had to reshoot and redo a lot of it. They basically redid enormous parts of the movie. So that's part of why it got so expensive. And it's normally like you know, I would think any movie that's that's doing you know that makes like two hundred million dollars, you would think that should be a success. Oh well, yeah. See, the thing is, if it only cost a hundred million, that would be a great success. But you know, it, the funny thing is, it was not. Well, I mean, it was obviously not critically acclaimed. I mean, you know, how much money did um, you know Captain America: The Winter Soldier make? How much money did X Men: Days of Future Past make? Like, I'd have to probably, look it up. Probably they both made less than two hundred sixty million. Right. So the the budget for Green Lantern was two hundred. It made about two twenty. Okay. So the X Men: Days of Future Past. I'll look that up. Days of Future Past. Let's see. It it had a budget of two hundred million. Same budget. Mm-hmm. Same budget. But it made seven hundred and forty. It made seven hundred and forty. Yeah, it's actually one of the wow. more, more popular ones. That's way more than I thought it made. Yeah, How well, does it make that much money. It's it's like twice as much as X Men First Class. 
That's crazy. It, it's part of it is that it it earned an enormous amount internationally. Oh, internationally. Okay, sure. Why? Oh, so the number the number five hundred million inter, oh, or, you know, around the world. The the number you quoted for um for Green Lantern that mm-hmm. was total US, total U.S. and international combined. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Oh, okay. So that now I understand. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that makes more sense. Yeah. Because I was just thinking like just U.S. box office. Right. And Days of Future Past only made three fifty. It also had a lower budget, but you know, still. Now, as for Captain America, let me look that one up. So, the that one had a budget of one hundred and seventy, made seven hundred and thirteen. Right. Which is still quite good. It's yeah. you know, so it's a lower budget, but almost the same box office as X Men. Right. So that's pretty good. And still, you're talking about you know, it, it made like. Um, over three times as much back as as the budget, the initial budget, like three and a half times, something like that. Yeah, well, see, that's the that's the trick here because you know when you're like I was saying, you know, the marketing costs are very high, but then they have like merchandise and what they call the back end, you know, like DVDs and, and stuff like right. that, you know, and potentially advertising promotions and, and so on. So right now, with the Guardians, for example, it's Budget was 170, but it's already made 330. 330 US or 330 total? Total. Okay. And it's not out of the theater yet. Now right. I don't know no, how it's only it's only been in the theater for two weeks. Yeah, it's so make plenty more money. It's been doing very well. So right. so yeah, uh, but I, I'm just saying. Good. So like when you look back at like you know Superman Returns, whatever it wasn't. Who cares? Now Dark Knight Rises did fine. But it wasn't the smash that Dark Knight had been, but yeah. still good enough in terms of money. And I liked it fine, even if I didn't yeah. think it was great. I mean, I talked about how I thought it sort of failed its potential. Of course, I gave yeah. it a really, like, a clickbait title by saying it just failed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, come on. You have to do that. It was, But at the time it was made, it was the best... Superhero movie that had been made yet, right? Dark Knight Rises. Sam. Oh, the Dark Knight Rises. Oh, I thought you were talking about um, um, Batman Begins. Though. Oh well, Dark Knight Begins is still great. Okay. Yeah, you know, I like Batman. It, it it drags a little bit at the end, but okay. it's beginning. Its first Never half mind. I was is. Confused. I thought I thought you were talking about Batman Begins. Yeah. Yes, Dark Knight Rises, uh, not as good. Yeah, the first half of Batman not Begins terrible. is impeccable. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but it drags a little bit once he gets back to Gotham, but. Um, I think it's it's still a great movie. You're trying you're talking about Batman Begins. Yeah. Now, Dark Knight yeah, Rises had had more problems, but then of course there was Man of Steel, which I know you guys have not seen, and right. I feel like it would, you know at some point you should see it, just so at least we can you know talk about it. I don't think it was terrible. Right. So that's one of those things where it's like some people hate it. I, I will say, although I haven't seen it obviously, but casting Kevin Costner as Pa Kent, genius. Well, no, the casting like is well. In any way, there's no casting problems here. <laughs> that's that. Any of the problems that I have that I think people say that, that the movie has that I agree with, casting is not one of them. Although some people, they're always outliers. But in general, I think that casting isn't the problem. But that you know that movie it made like six hundred and seventy million, and it had a budget of two hundred twenty-five. Okay. Which is, you know, it's good so enough. It's successful. Yeah, it's good enough that they're it's definitely not a great, you know. Yeah. 
you know, great success, but it's it's successful, certainly. Yes, yeah, it's, it's enough to say, okay, well, Zack Snyder, we'll keep you on. Because, you know, it did better than The Green Lantern, anyway. Which movie again? Man of Steel. Man of Steel? Right, right, right. So um, it, it did do pretty well. So now you have this, you know, and then they pushed forward the, you know, originally it was just going to be a Superman sequel, but then they're like, well, it didn't do as well as they thought it would, so now they thought, let's bring Batman into the sequel. It's going to be a Batman versus Superman movie, and last year's Comic-Con, uh, not this one, but last year, they had Harry Lennox, who who played one of the generals in the movie, and he played on Dollhouse. Uh, he was Echo's handler, if you remember that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He was Echo's handler. Yeah, you know... The guy who turned out to be he, a villain at oh, the end. He, he looks oh. kind of like Chiwetel Ejiofor, sort of. The, uh, right. <laughs> yeah, I see what you the mean. Guy, the guy who they brought on, he was like an ex... Something, something, yeah. Op, something like that. Right, and he was good. He, he, was, he, did, you know, he has a good way of talking. You know, He has a cool voice. Anyway, he got up a, in front of Comic-Con last year, and he read a it passage... a little bit of Dennis Haysbert, actually. It doesn't really look like him, but his voice is similar. No, but his voice, you know, yeah. his his mode, his yeah. like uh, presence. Yeah. Last year, he read a passage from Frank Miller's *The Dark Knight Returns*, which was just something along the lines of, you know, Batman saying to Superman, "You'll you'll remember this is I'm the one guy who beat you." Now, Sam, you've read it, right? Yes, I've read *The Dark Knight Returns*. Benjamin, what about you? Uh, no, I've not read it. I think it is a good thing to read. I like it. It's certainly not the greatest thing ever, but it's sort of like a seminal piece, and it's like also like a historical document in right. some ways, because it represents the 80s so well, in terms of how <laughs> how it affected Stay these. Tuned. Like, it affected part basically the, the way podcast. Batman would look in Tim Burton, and then later on, when Christopher Nolan came back, it affected that, too. You right. know, it was sort of like they right, moved... But it's not just the look, also the idea, I mm-hmm. mean, like, Christopher Nolan, you know, the idea that he would make, like, for instance, we're talking about The Dark Knight Rises, you know, where you have, like, an older Batman who's, like, a little broken down, mm-hmm. you know, like, we never saw that in the comics until Frank Miller wrote The Dark Knight right. Returns. He also, that was, like, the first time when we saw, like, an old Batman. Yes, that's right. He also painted Superman as kind of a sellout, working for Reagan as, like, an enforcer. Right. Uh, I wouldn't. Who did Frank Frank Miller did? Yeah. Now the thing is, some people say Frank Miller just hates Superman. I don't know if he does or not. I don't think Superman was terrible. I mean, I feel like it was more like Batman had to teach Superman to stop being such an idiot, and he does because he worked for Reagan. Well, that's part of it. <laughs> your point. But he he was also he was also like a government stooge, you know, and sort of like just doing whatever the government said. And but at that point Reagan basically became like president for life, so it was even worse than normal Reagan. But <laughs> all right, well, well, I mean, we're speaking of the point of like, are, are we sort of getting the point about why perhaps DC's movies haven't been as popular? Well, yeah. So this is it? yeah. So we're trying to get into like what happened. I mean, Dark Knight. I feel like it hit exactly the right time. You know, you had. I mean, think about the timing, right? You right. know. When did the, if you remember, do you remember when The Dark Knight came out? Is it around Spider-Man 2 or a little afterwards, right? Yeah, it was 2008, and Batman Begins was 2005, so it was sort of like people were sort of like, they were ready to see something a little bit darker, especially with all the stuff that was, like, in the world, 
and also with like the war in Iraq was doing war, was even worse. It was just sort of like you know this I idea. Know. I mean, is that does that? I mean, listen, like I, those sort of arguments, I understand what people are saying, but but like I don't know how much of an like I don't know if like people are more ready for darkness when there's you know the, the well actually you know what maybe there's a point to that just in the case of like still aftermath of nine eleven stuff. But people also made the argument that like. Um, about like Lord of the Rings, for instance, that people escapism. Liked. Yeah, I guess I guess there is something about going into the. In, I don't know. It, 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 I see the argument of saying people are 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 more more identifying with something darker, or they want something lighter, or anything like that. I think it gets tricky because who are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like who are these people? Um, I I do think at the time, it, uh, if you're going to talk about timing, it's just that. It was it was within that era of when they were starting to make um, sci-fi and fantasy movies and I guess TV shows to be more serious because Lord of the Lord of the Rings was kind of at the beginning. I mean, there's the Matrix, there's Lord of the Rings, um, there's there's a uh, Spider-Man to a degree. There are the X-Men movies, so it was moving in that direction anyway. And I think Dark Knight is kind of one of the pinnacles of those things because I think they have sort of moved away from that. They made things a little like lighter since then. Right, mm-hmm. right. So, so um, you have yeah. these new movies coming out, right? So you know, they, they it was him. So they're like, okay, is it just going to be an adaptation of Dark Knight? You know, returns, and it seems like a bad choice because it was really it was very much of its time. It was like a big change, a shift in a lot of ways. But we've already passed that by this point. We've had the story, so the story would seem kind of stupid at this point. Well, you say that, and yet, you know. We had The Dark Knight Rises, which was an adaptation of, you know, Nightfall, which was a story in the Batman comics. Uh, you know, very you say, well, you know, Nightfall. Not, was well, added, it was you know it's adaptation, kind of yes, but it's a very loose adaptation. I mean, Batman Begins was a loose adaptation. I, I wish too. it had been a more faithful adaptation. I think it would have made a better movie. Well, perhaps so, perhaps so, but it's a different kind. Also, it's a different kind of thing. The, you know, the sort of the older Batman who, you know, has a grudge. Just the way... thing is, some of it was, would be fine, I think. But I feel like there are more interesting things to do. But it doesn't really matter as much with that. Because, yeah. like, all right, we're going to do it. And then, like, yeah, and, you know, Wonder Woman's going to be in there, too, somehow, in some way. And Lex Luthor's going to be there. And, and you know... And yeah, Jesse Eisenberg, Facebook guy, he's gonna be Luther. Alright, sure. You know, whatever. I don't, I don't care. Everyone wanted Brian Cranston to do it, cause they want Grant, you know, they want him to do everything after Breaking Bad, cause he's bald. Right. right. You know, right, right, right. it's like, yes, I'm sure he'd be great, but it's not, clearly the kind of character they're looking for with Luther doesn't fit in the Brian Cranston if they wanted Jesse Eisenberg. Right. I'm just, you know, if you think about it, oh, yeah, okay, so you want like a fast talking, you know, youth character that's kind of a, maybe a little bit of a jerk and not like, you know, an imposing, you know, interesting guy uh, that would like Brian Cranston could play. But it's a different thing, you know, it's a different take. I don't, I don't like prejudging this kind of thing. Right, I'm just sort of right. thinking like, well, what's, so what's going on here? So with the success of Guardians of the Galaxy, basically DC sort of, they moved a lot of their schedule. Originally they were going to have Batman Superman at the same weekend is Captain America 3. Now, they moved it to March, which is okay. when Captain America 2 came out this year. 
So right. what it basically means is it can still be a successful weekend. The truth is I think that it was a, that one of them had to move because it's a stupid idea to try to have two popular movies the same weekend because you're just going to cannibalize each other because people don't have unlimited money or time. Right, right, right. So you might as right. well, you know, give yourself both room. You'll both make a lot of money. So, I mean, yes, people say they backed off, but who knows? I mean, maybe if they waited I mean, longer, Marvel would have. It doesn't really just, matter. It's just not good business to really go head-to-head like right. that. So it's good that they're doing it. They also, like, announced a whole bunch. We're having, like, seven other movies, and we really have no idea what they are. They've talked about how they wanted to have... A, DC, you're talking about? Yeah, right they want to have obviously a Justice League movie and another Superman movie. So they they're going to have seven movies, but they haven't announced that one of them they're is going to yeah. be a Wonder Woman movie. And uh, they have not, and they if they they should, except that they've said that they don't know how to do it because her mm. backstory is con- too confusing. They don't know how to do it. Her backstory is too confusing. Listen, Joss Whedon wrote a script, which I'm sure was great, <laughs> but they decided not to do it. Marvel made a Thor movie. Is the backstory confusing? <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. So, and and um, so here's a Fox story. Made it X-Men Origins. Who has a more confusing origin than, than Wolverine? Yeah, that's true. So I just want to bring up one last news item, and then we can just decide what how we feel the movie is going to be. So recently, Jason Momoa, Cal Drogo, has, was cast officially as Aquaman, and we know The Rock is going to play somebody. Oh, cool. Oh, The Rock versus Jason Momoa? That's he's, awesome. he's probably going to play Captain Marvel or Shazam, mm-hmm. which I think could totally work because you know Captain Marvel basically, which is funny because there's... An, a, Although really, he should probably play Black Adam. Perhaps. He could play a villain I, I or a hero. But think, think, okay, but, no, think about this. <laughs> think about this, Sam. <laughs> this, what, you think all Adams are black? Let me, let me explain my, why I think this. Because Captain Marvel is basically a little kid... That right. gets like this secret word Shazam that turns him into a super powerful adult, right? With there's a, that's also much smarter and wiser, but he still has the mind of his kid. So he's a lot of it's like awesome. I'm a superhero. Punch, right? You know. So I feel like The Rock could be really good at, at that kind of earnest thing. I mean, think about when he made fun of Steve Austin with the milk thing. Yeah. Remember? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna drink some milk. Remember? I just I, think. I'm, imagine that. But that's hit the whole movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, actually, yeah, I do yeah. remember the milk thing. Now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> watch that. That's right. Yes. So that's no. why I think that he would be good in that role. No, I love that. I'm, I'm for anything that makes the no, I'm the getting rock confused, awesome. confused, though. Wasn't, wasn't Kurt Angle the guy who drank milk? Yes, this was him making fun of that. That's it what I'm referencing. was making fun of Kurt Angle. Yeah. Who was making fun of Stone Cold. Well, right? Kurt Angle wasn't making fun of Stone Cold at that point. He just was, I'm in favor of milk, it you know, does a body good, etc., and I'm an Olympic athlete. That was just part of his shtick. He's like, I don't drink uh, a beer? Pfeh. I'll drink milk, thank you very much, because he was a villain, remember? So he was yes. doing the counter to Steve Austin thing. He wasn't right, making right. fun of him. It was just like, look, I'm so cool by being uncool, you know. Anyway, so... That all these things could be fine. Now, apparently, they're going to try to make an Aquaman movie, and they're having, I think, they're hiring two screenwriters, and they're just going to decide well, which one is best. Aquaman's backstory isn't too difficult. All right, listen. If they still have the rights to Joss Whedon's, you know, script, I think they should just repurpose it to fit in their new world verse and just use it. Because come on, it's got to be good. 
All right, so what do we think? Will this movie be better than Dark Knight Rises, worse than Dark Knight Rises, or just about the same as Dark Knight Rises? Batman versus Superman? All right, yeah. we, were we talking about Batman versus Superman, or are we yeah. talking about Justice League? Well, who knows about that? We have, that's too far off at this point. Because that would be after Batman versus Superman. So which one are you talking about? Batman v Superman, the one that they are filming right now. So, um, ben, ben, ben Affleck, Affleck is, as Batman. Ben yeah. Affleck is going to be, uh, gonna yeah. be uh, Batman. You know, he can be surprising at times. So he might I don't have no problems with that casting. It's yeah, entirely yeah. based on how the movie is. You know, it's like, if he's good, he's good. If he's bad, he's bad. I don't. Well, I don't know. Do you know the angle? Are they going to go more clever and comedic, or are they going to go? I doubt it. Darkness. No, it's no, it's going to be dark. It's not going to be clever and comedic. This is not. Zack Snyder is not. He's not going to do like the Marvel. You know, like. Oh, Avengers right. Zack Snyder is going to do. Yeah, it. Zack Snyder. Uh, he doesn't have much of a sense of humor. Well, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> he has a little so bit I'm of gonna, one, I'm but. I'm going to go with with. Uh, I'm going to go with worse. Worse than Dark Knight What do you think, Sam? I agree with Benji. Yeah. I agree with Benji. I think it's going to be worse than... And I didn't really like Dark Knight Rises, but I feel like this movie is just going to be, like, dour and just, you know, and, like... And a bunch of slow-mo fight scenes. Yeah, lots I'm of slow-mo just, fight I'm scenes. I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing here. Well, Man of Steel didn't have yeah. that, that many of those. So, but, here's... All right. I, just, I, I feel like it's not, it's not going to be fun. It's going to be, gonna be like... It's going to be, like, you know, like like... Oh, uh, you know, like you know the term grimdark. I do. Yeah. So I feel like this movie is going to be intensely grimdark, and you know, like we've we've seen that with the Batman movies, but like you know, the Marvel is showing a different different kind of superhero movie, which is also fun and is not like grimdark, and is maybe more appealing, you know. But I I, I feel like it's it's just uh, and you know and at least. For all that we complain about Dark Knight Rises, at least Christopher Nolan like had some right. kind of vision. He like he was ambitious. He wanted to tell you know a, this like personal story. Um, and I don't see Zack Snyder having the same kind of, of ambition. I mean, I find I see Zack Snyder as kind of like he's a talented fanboy, but I don't know that I would call him like a great director. Well, yeah. But that being said. I am going to be the most optimistic and say it's going to be the same as Dark Knight Rises. But I don't think it's going to be any better. Okay. Is, is, he, is he just doing That's stuff a, because, because he's, he's DC? Basically, you're, you're betting the push. What do you mean? Is, who, is, is, is Zack Snyder doing... What do you mean? Yeah, because I guess, I, guess, I guess 300, I guess Frank Miller did Vertigo, which is DC, and then... He yeah, Watchmen. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's their go-to. Yes, he is. He, I mean, it, the Sucker Punch was also Warner Brothers. I mean, they produced it. The, the, uh, but yeah, but were they, was it DC? Well, no, it's not DC. It it's Warner Brothers. Thing. Warner Brothers owns DC Comics. Does Does he write the screenplay too? Well, he didn't for Man of Steel. I thought he did. He might have for. For Sucker Punch, I'm trying to remember. I think Sucker Punch was Zack Snyder's... Like, I think he wrote it. See, he he co-wrote the screenplay, but he came up with the story. 
And with this new one, he will be, he, so he, his, the story is by him and David Goyer, who, uh, I'm not a huge fan of. I mean, he did, he did co-write on the Batman movies, but everything else he did I don't think is, is good. But the screenplay is by this guy named Chris Terrio. And he's done almost nothing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he, he did, but here's the thing though. He won an Academy Award for Argo, writing the screenplay. Oh, interesting. So I'm just well, saying. I feel like I feel like Zack Snyder's stuff would be if there was a. I feel like it would be, his stuff would actually be awesome if there was like a really good screenwriter. So that's what I'm thinking. Like, this guy wrote a really good script for Argo. This is Ben Affleck's guy that he brought in. Right. So it, I, I feel like that's why I'm hedging my bets here. You know, like, I'm trying to think, okay, the the negatives, but plus this little positive, you know, and, like, the oppressive studio pushing down. So that's where I'm going. But that's uh, that's my feeling. Uh, you guys have your own opinion. I guess we will see when it comes out, right. you know, next year or the year after or whatever it is. All right, let's move on to uh, right. our short discussion. Let's just make it, f- like, a five minutes on this latest X-Men movie, which we have all seen. Now, I will start by saying this. It was my second favorite X-Men movie after mm-hmm. X-Men in First Class. After that, I would give it half of X-Men 2 and the other half is X-Men 1. After that, the remaining halves. After that, the... This is already getting I'm too kidding. complicated. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Actually, the truth is I actually give number three to the Wolverine. I think that was better than either one of the first two oh, X-Men movies. You know what? I haven't seen the Wolverine you really think Wolverine is, is better than X-Men 2? Because X-Men 2 has some good uh, parts that I like, but some really bad parts that I don't like. But isn't the same true of the Wolverine? Yeah, but it had fewer bad parts. Interesting. Okay, at le- at I, should, least, I should see the Wolverine. At least in, I, my, in my opinion. I just, I've been kind of putting it off. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, don't, it's, don't make it a priority, but I, I liked it. I think there's a director's cutout now. If you can, I don't know if it's how easy it is to get that, but I guess if you could... I hear it's better. And I didn't see that one. I saw the normal one. Right. But I still the think... Theatrical. Because of my issues with X-Men 2, I think it's a little overrated. And X-Men 1 is one of those, like, it's a great, oh, hey, look, superhero movies. And, right. and you know, well, X-Men 1 really kind of brought superhero movies back. Yeah, totally. Right? After, like, they're, after they died, after like Catwoman and Daredevil and Batman and Robin and all that. Right. So... That, I have to give them credit for that. And they also had, for the most part, good casting. But one thing Brian Singer never had was a real love for the characters. You know, he didn't know them, which is fine. But he didn't ever really seem to, like, really like them as he went on. He just used them as a metaphor, you know, for gay yeah. people, which is fine. You know, draw from your own life, come oh. up with an interesting story. I think, I think Try to connect. simplifying things a bit. Well, no, that he, makes sense with that he, movie, he, that first uh, movie he had with Ian McKellen. He did, though. His, his he did. The, the gay thing, because that movie with Ian McKellen, which is a pretty good movie about that, like, ex-Nazi. Well, in, the, in, the, in the movies... In the second even, one, even he even the, uses, the like... Ryan Singer movies. Yeah. They, the X-Men, I mean, it's not just a, a metaphor for homosexuality. There's, okay. It's a metaphor for, for the Jews... It's a metaphor yeah. for like slavery and and, and African Americans. In know, the and, and, like, well, in the comics, it was definitely like a teenager race thing when it came out because it was the '60s. So that was you know, but 
but, uh, that was a little bit more of its right. time. With this one, they just used the Jewish story because it's more resonant, but I don't think that was anything... I don't really think Ryan Singer got most of the characters at all. I think Rogue had a decent one, but I don't even think it was that great. Because, you know, he said, right. well, there's no way she would be this bombastic personality. She would have to be this, like, sullen teenager. Like, it doesn't have to be. You could have come up with a way to do it. Right. You know, they ha- right. the, way, the reason Rogue is like that is because it's her way of dealing with it. You know, so it's a different perspective on it. Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't hate it. I just don't. I, don't, I mean, it, it, the the story, like the Magneto's plan in the first movie, was stupid. Uh, but you know, whatever. I can forgive it for being like one of the first of the superhero ones. His plan in the second movie was also terrible. It was, hmm, I'm going to murder all humans because they tried to because this guy tried to murder all mutants. I'll just turn it around and yeah, kill all humans. That does actually seem like a bad plan now that I think about it. <laughs> Listen, I understand why, at, like, in the moment, he might be <laughs> like, I'm going to kill everybody else. Right. It seems I, like that would not necessarily be good for mutant kind but he, to have every single human die. He didn't play it as angry, though. And we know Ian McKellen can play angry. So I, so I don't really blame him. I blame the director and writer for not telling him to play it like someone who's furious that somebody just tried to kill him. Right, right. Okay, so... Um, so that's why I, I, I put like it like that. Anyway, the point is, X-Men 2 has some flaws. Well, um, but it comes down to, I think, X-Men First Class, you know, Matthew Vaughn, I really think he does like the characters. He, you know, he, and I really liked so much that we just got away from everyone else. We started back when these guys were young. We got to see really interesting things. I thought, you know, James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence, they were all great. Yes, the tertiary characters weren't so great, but, you know... Uh, we had the right. greatest character actor of all time, you know, Boris the Blade in, in there. You know, right. that's you just you know it. That's what you know. It makes it a great movie. Now with X Men: Days of Future Past, though, uh, we've talked about it before. So let's talk about this for a second. Brian Singer came back after Matthew Vaughn left. A lot of his original story stayed there. I have no idea what percentage because no one's ever going to say. Well, not for any time in the future, but. What do you guys think about the future part of it? Okay. Uh, that was I thought it was good at the beginning, the future part of it. It was a good way to set to set it up. Um, you know, there was there were some like kind of cheesy campy things that that were like, meh. you know, like like when like um, Magneto and, and Xavier are like, oh, why were we ever fighting? I mean, I know that's sort of behind it, and I and it, and I think it is logical to think that they would eventually have that conversation. You know, that, I don't think that's so crazy, but it was. I just think it was kind of campy. Um, so the, the 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 future stuff, I think it worked. It just I thought it was better at the beginning. I I actually don't even agree. I don't think the future stuff worked. I think that the only thing about any of the future stuff that was worth seeing at all was the stuff with Patrick Stewart and or Ian McKellen. Otherwise, you know, they could have made an entire movie without any of that, and it would have been better. Um, okay. That said, I don't necessarily agree with Jeremy that um, that I liked First Class better than Days of Future Past. I yeah, kinda I go definitely like Days of Future Past better. I kind of go back and forth on them, but I I think even with what you know, not liking the future part of Days of Future Past, that I still think it's probably the best of all the movies. Of all of them? Of all the X Men's. Wow, I I you know I haven't seen X Two in a long time. 
Um, but I, I think I like that one the best. Because, like, we um, can, you know, we can point out all the flaws of Days of Future Past, but, like, First Class had some flaws, too. Like, true, it sure did. I wasn't, I wasn't the, None of the villains class. had any yeah. personality at all, except for Kevin Bacon. Well, yeah, yeah that's true. It basically, it was just, like, Kevin Bacon yeah, but, all right. and a bunch of nobodies. Yes, but, of course, you can always, like, poke holes in it. It's really more about what a, whether or not I feel like it worked in general. Like, okay, so... Here's my positives about X-Men Days of Future Past. You know, the, the main guys, James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender, were both very good, totally. Right. You know, that stuff was great, no question. You know, and young guy playing young beast, uh, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Oh, uh, Nicholas Holtz. Right? That's right. And he, uh, who was dating Jennifer Lawrence, or was, was dating Jennifer Lawrence. I think he broke up with her because he couldn't handle that she was too famous. Her, like, I'm sure, I'm sure we know fame. exactly that. Well, that's a, that's just what the gossip people are saying. No, I mean, like, that's, I feel like that's legit. Well, he's not nearly yeah. as famous, so. he's he, not nearly as famous, and you know, she's like. Uh, one she's of the like, most famous people in the know, world. Elvis Presley famous. Yeah. You know, like, well, exactly. She's like Angelina Jolie, George Clooney, like, that yeah. kind of famous. I can see how that would actually be not fun at all. Right. So that's part of my problem is that she didn't have enough to do in this movie. Part of this right. is how exactly. they is that Brian Singer always was terrible with Mystique, even from the beginning. And this is more of the he just like he shoehorned in the stupid Mystique character from the original X Men movies into Jennifer Lawrence's. And Matthew Vaughn's far superior and more interesting one. And finally, you got a little bit of that at the end when they actually started like discussing things. All right, we should say yes. There's spoilers here. Sorry, spoilers for X Men: Days of Future Past. But uh, yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, at the, I feel like you know she was I, barely there. You know, at the beginning she had this little sort of escape scene thing, but then it was just like you know it was just like pushing the plot forward. She didn't really have anything to do. I don't agree. I think that she had she was she was important in the movie, um, you know, and like she wasn't in a lot of scenes, but the scenes that she was in, some of them were like you know very emotional or whatever. She had a, she had opportunities to to act, you know, um, more so than like the villains from first class. All right. Well, let me give you some other things. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop harping. Let me give you some yeah, other things. Should, uh, the, the the continuity makes even less sense now. You know, that's part of the problem oh, of trying okay. to tie... Yes, the continuity makes less sense. The problem of trying to tie... Continuity yeah, but trying to tie... Yeah. They did even a worse job. Right? It, like, it, it's, it's... So much more was put into this movie that didn't make any sense. Like, so wait, Magneto was in this Pentagon prison. How did he get out the first time? Oh. How was Mystique caught the first time? I mean, you know, how did she get out the first time? You know? <laughs> Who knows? This is all... It's just like... It doesn't make any... How did, how did Xavier... Become Xavier later. Oh, it is. It, it's just sort of like listen. It, it, the problem is if part, it, part of it, if they had just made it they, its own they, continuation, I would have had less of a problem. But because they did this time travel thing, that's why they had this problem. Anyway, whatever. It didn't bother me. Well, they like, oh, well, how did he? How did he do this? How did he do that? I don't know. Whatever. There was some way they did it. Okay. They don't it's, have to explain every friggin' thing that happens in the entire history of no, the movie. They don't have to do that. But what I like that they did is that they undid they undid the shitty things from the Rush Hour director's uh, stuff. 
Um, so that was good. They, X, you mean, you mean X Men you know, Three? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Well, sure, they did get rid of X Men Three, but still, I mean, come on. Just because that's they also got rid of X Men One and Two. Whatever. No, they they one hundred percent got rid of confusing. them. They brought back Kelsey Grammer as Beast. I know, but that's, whatever. That's awesome. We all love that. <laughs> they said it was a cool cameo, even if like now Wolverine basically has no memory of this new timeline, and it's going to be really confusing. Listen, that's totally normal for Wolverine. He never has a memory of the timeline. <laughs> all right, no, he's he's good for that. I also like that was just a nice little moment of just like with Kelsey Grammer as Beast. He's like ah, slept in. Because it just showed their relationship in a good way, how, like, they're, like... Yeah, I agree with that. Stuff. Now, the the funny thing is, I think when it comes down to it, I'm still going to, you know, feel like there are too many problems. And to for me to put it above First Class, even with the problems First Class had, I just felt like it had more emotional feelings for me. Like, I just, like, I remember, like, one scene where James McAvoy sort of helping out Michael Fassbender basically learn how to use his powers more effectively and turn the satellite and he starts to like tear up that was like really like that hit me i didn't have anything like that in this movie yeah although it's it's funny that you mentioned that because i thought that like the training montage bit in the first movie was one of the weakest parts but i'm like yeah well um, okay um, uh, what's his name banshee yeah you know and uh havoc and they're, like, learning to control their powers. And whatever, it's like a cheesy montage. Yeah, but th- forget about that part of the montage. I'm talking about one, this no, part. No, I, I know what part you're talking about. And yes, you know, Michael Fassbender can act. Like, we agree. Yeah, I know. He was, he was really good. So, anyway. So, I feel like we should uh, sort of wrap up what we're talking about here. And, you know, get into our final topic. You know, at this point... I think that, you know, you know, we don't really agree per se on exactly how we think. I, I, I will give it, like, my second favorite, but, you know, it, to me, just... Yeah, it's you know. my second favorite. So what did, did, you, did you guys uh, stay to the end credit thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, we didn't discuss that. How could we not have talked about that? Well, uh, that was amazing. <laughs> awesome. Apocalypse, yeah. So Benji's yeah, a lot, Apocalypse, I think, the most... Apocalypse is my favorite villain ever. Right, so. so you're the most familiar, I think, with any of us because I did. I wasn't really watching the cartoon at that point. I know he has like four horsemen who are also mutants, and he's like a really, really old mutant, and he was worshipped as a god. He's the first mutant ever, and he's like immortal or something, or he can't. Yeah. It's very difficult he's, to turn. He's the first. He's the first mutant ever, right? And he has this interesting idea. I mean, like, like he's kind of like in a certain sense, it's, it is kind of cartoonish, but at the same time, like he's kind of legitimately. It's like. He he is like the ultimate you could say just egomaniac and like like power hungry guy because like he but he really has a way to take over the whole world that's the thing take over the universe like it seems more legitimate with him I remember his whole plan I don't know if it's gonna do this in the, they're gonna do this in the movie but his whole plan was uh, was to he had like this orb that he had that if like activated something along those lines if activated he was gonna be able to start time again and start it so that he was the ruler of all of time. So he was like this, like pretty crazy, and no one could beat him. Like he was, and he was a dick too. He was a huge dick, you know. And what so, I like, remember about him <laughs> is that there was this weird, like, uh, allegory for steroids or something. Like he was like, "Oh, I can enhance your mutant powers and make you better," yeah. but he would like turn people into cyborgs or something, and then like, you know, 
then they like were his slaves or something. I don't remember. <laughs> well, I don't. <laughs> these are like vague memories, of, and this is this is based on like watching like the cartoon show. So it's not even like really. That's what I'm off. Oh, yeah, but I, like, I feel like we can probably use that as a decent source. I think that they adapted the material pretty well in general. But okay. let's 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 bring it to this interesting point, which I heard that the movie is going to take place in the in the eighties, so it'll be a continuation. Of the right. of the older characters, by which I one mean thing, one the thing earlier that I in the do past. Love about both of the newer X Men movies and also Captain America, the first Captain America movie, is like I love superhero movies that are period pieces. Right. So there's yeah, something yeah, like really like, cool about cool. like seeing yeah, a superhero yeah. movie which is also like set in the past and like you know it's just anyway. It's a right. minor point. But so I hear that they're also going to be minimizing the future people, which is good for my perspective because I thought that was the weakest part. The Days of Future Cable, Past. Cable's awesome. Well, he could just show up. Because yeah, they have Bishop, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they screwed, up. Also they, awesome. yeah, they screwed him up, though, as you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about this. Bishop was can absorb energy. Except when he can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. well, you guys haven't seen Iron Man 3, but there, that was one of the issues I had there, like inconsistent powers. Like, his suit was supposedly like, like super I have powerful. Seen Iron Man 3. Oh, okay. So you know, like how his suit was like really powerful, except you know anybody could burn through it of those guys. Right. right. So it was like it was very really like plot convenient. It was exactly as strong as the plot needed it to be. There, right. was, there was all kind of things that didn't make sense in that movie, but right. we don't have to talk about that. Movie <laughs> yeah, that would take too long. All right, let's move on to our final segment, which is going to be sort of the memory of Robin Williams. And I sent you guys a little bit of an IMDb thing. Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, so basically his career basically started just around 1978, which is when, and obviously this is before my time, but he was a sort of a guest character on the show Happy Days, you know, the one that took. Oh, when he, he appeared as Mort. Yeah, right? and just like. On Happy Days before that's right. Mort and Mindy. And just like a lot of things, you know, he, he had a spinoff. Which became Mork and Mindy, which was, you know, fairly popular. It ran for a couple seasons. Wow, and Popeye was... Oh, Popeye. I didn't realize Popeye was that old. Not a good movie. I'm, I'm looking at IMDb right now. That's why, yeah. yeah. Ben, do you even remember that one? Yeah. I, I, remember, I remember liking it, but it doesn't mean it was good. Vaguely. I was very young. I only have very, very big oh, memories yeah. of this movie. I found it's insanely dull. So dull. So many... It was just the weirdest thing. Well, it was interesting how he didn't like spinach in it. That that was part of the, yeah. that was the interesting thing. <laughs> well, apparently, like, like, like he had to be convinced yeah. to like spinach. That yeah, was, apparently that was, that's how the original was, or something like that. I guess right. <laughs> he, I guess uh, the the director was being very hipster about Popeye. Now I'm wondering, like, who played the olive oil in that movie? Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall. I yeah, can't she's even, like, very skinny, so it picture her. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go look and see if I can like figure out who that is. Well, after that, there was this movie called The World According to Garp. Now, I haven't actually read that book. Have either of you guys seen that no. movie or read the book? I mean, it's it's a famous book. I have yeah. not read it. All right. So I guess we should probably talk about then Good Morning Vietnam. Do you want to go through like his entire career? No, yeah, just, no just like let's, interesting let's, okay. things. Well, okay, okay. Why here's each give our perspectives. Because oh, yeah. I mean, when I first started, I feel like the first I ever saw of him was probably Hook. Yeah. You know where he played Peter Pan. Well, I mean Aladdin. No, that was after. Wasn't Hook. Aladdin before Hook? No. Nope. 
Really? Yeah. You know, Hook was in 91, Aladdin was 92. Really? But then, of course, like right after that, Aladdin was Mrs. Doubtfire. And so that was like three years right. of seeing him in this kind of cool thing. After yeah. that, I, had, I didn't see him in anything. I, I actually, for a, quite a long time, until I saw him make a cameo on Friends with Billy Crystal because they were promoting their terrible movie Father's Day. <laughs> which, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I missed The Birdcage, of course, and Jumanji. <laughs> I forget about what I just said. Jumanji and Birdcage. Jumanji, yeah, I remember Jumanji. Jumanji was great. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> but but then, yeah. then after exactly. that it's came fine. like his actually good, like really good non-comedic role in Goodwill Hunting. Where oh, he, I actually haven't seen Goodwill Hunting. Where he he won an Oscar for that. I but, actually haven't seen either Goodwill Hunting or Dead Poet Society. Hmm. I haven't seen all Dead Poet Society. But it was definitely there are definitely like scenes from that that he tried to show at like camps and NCSY Shabbatones and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> they're like really into that, you know. That's funny. Well, yeah. when they're when they're not showing that. Uh, oh crap! What's that Brendan Fraser movie? You know the one where he's like Jewish and they. Uh, they discriminate against them in, oh, in that's, high school. Yes. Oh, no. School ties. That's, that's right. Ugh, I never saw that. I remember. So school ties. At the oh, time, classic, people were saying it's, how it's a classic of like Jewish summer camp and you know. <laughs> right. So at the NCSY. Okay. So the thing is, it's interesting because at the time, basically, people were saying like, "Oh, finally, he got some recognition." But if we're honest. He hadn't had a lot of really amazing performances before that that really deserved to win the Oscar. He was good in The Birdcage. He was very good in Mrs. Doubtfire, and he was very good in, as the genie in Aladdin. But uh, Dead Poet Society. Yeah, you know, maybe that, but that was another dramatic role. It wasn't even a comedic one. So I don't really okay. feel like it was quite but the same. Am I, am I crazy in saying that like when he played the genie in Aladdin, that was one of the first that people even of nominating... A you know cartoon voice actor for for an Oscar? No, no, nobody was thinking about nominating they, anyone. Discussing that. that at all? Okay, I just made that. Well, I mean, I wasn't paying. I didn't know about that kind of crap at the time, but I can tell you, okay. in retrospect, no one was talking about that. Nobody was talking about it. Okay, so I, I that was know. one of his best roles. Aladdin was great. He was fantastic. I mean, I I knew about Robin like I had a sort of a limited view because I mean, me me being into Robin Williams, I, I was I was pretty young, so like. My perspective on it is that people knew who he was, but but I became aware of him as he was kind of in his like in his like a part of his prime to a certain degree. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah, so, definitely. So I thought about him as like one of the most like. So it was weird for me how he sort of tapered off. How he had to, you know, he was having these roles, but almost everything after you know misses that era of those three movies, um, Aladdin, Good, uh, Aladdin, and uh, and Hook and, and Mrs. Doubtfire. Those were all, those were all like really successful. Successful, or at least there were seminal roles of his. And then. He didn't really have much that was that was big after that, but it's like people kept expecting that he had like his next big thing. Right. He Flubber sort of was. Oh, I didn't even Ju- see Juma- that. Jumanji, I didn't see Flubber either. Jumanji sort of had a thing. And then, I remember Jumanji. And then Goodwill like Hunting. People, people thought that was like, oh, Jumanji is going to be, you know, um, Robin Williams is going to be amazing, and he was okay. He was you okay. Know, I it mean, was like a little bit disappointing. The funny thing so is, I, I get what you're saying about like you know he had this like peak and then and then he just sort of started to decline. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. And and I gotta say like like as morbid as this is, like when I did hear about like the you know like is it confirmed that he committed suicide and all that? Yeah, and his wife said yeah. that he was starting to suffer from Parkinson's. 
Oh, really? Oh like, my god. We didn't... I'm sorry, I don't want to... You're, you're talking about something serious. Um, well, well, hold on, hold on. It's, it's fine, let me just... I'll, I'll just finish what I'm saying. It's yeah. kind of one of those things that's interesting, because it's like... I like, somewhat wasn't surprised, you know what I mean, to a certain degree. Because he always had this... He was, he was great, he was very relatable in a lot of ways, or at least you could, like, feel for him. But there always seems to be this, like, tinge of, like, sadness, you know, behind mm-hmm. a lot of his stuff. There was kind of this, like... This, like do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's like, also, it was very public that he had bipolar disorder. Like, right, that was known. Right, for, for years right, and years and years, right, people knew that he had right. bipolar disorder. Yeah, yeah. so, But I it, mean, like, it showed through, I think, in some roles. That, that's the thing. Well, like, he, like, I never this real, like, saw... Did you guys see a one-hour photo? Because he played, like a, he played like a serial killer in that one. No, I, right. I've heard about that movie, but I haven't seen it. Right. I know he also was in Insomnia, which is, right. I think, the only Christopher Nolan movie I haven't seen. And, oh, uh, I didn't know that was a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, well, it was an earlier one from that. But that's that was like another dark role for him. It's yeah, like not funny at all. The funny thing is, like, so he was in this follow-up, I would call it, to Goodwill Hunting called "What Dreams May Come," which seemed to me to be more like. Me this to, is a follow-up to Goodwill Hunting. Well, I say because it was another oh. like dramatic piece. It seemed oh, like oh. it was oh. like Oscar based because it's. Um, I'm like, it's not a right. sequel. Thematically, it has nothing to do with it. Yeah, right? it was. It just I didn't like I, it. I haven't seen What Dreams May Come, although I did read the book that it was based on. Oh, well, I, I have no idea if there's any connection. I just thought it wasn't that great. And he it's was about a guy who dies get, and he like goes yeah. to the afterlife, right? Yeah, he was like trying to get another. He's like stuck in, in limbo, and then he's like trying yeah. to get to heaven and stuff. Something like right? that. Uh, it, yeah. he doesn't. He sort of half dies essentially, because he has to go get his wife back, who is also half died. Right. Basically. So, no, I mean, obviously, you know, he was later on this movie called Night at the Museum with Teddy Roosevelt, and, you know, he definitely right. had a lot of yeah. kind of interesting I energy. Re- I remember there, that. That I thought was very good, but, you know, it, when it comes down to it, Night at the Museum movies are terrible. And one of his, you know, he's going to be in the, in the last one, too, because, you know, it's already been filmed. And also, like, Teddy Roosevelt should not be played by Robin Williams. Oh, why is I'm that? Sorry. Like Teddy Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt was like the most badass president we've ever had. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was the guy was just a machine. He was he was a marine before there was such a thing as marines. Um, you know, he was just he like he threw his weight around. He was just a badass. Like like. Um, you know, there's all these stories about him, like, kicking people's asses and stuff. Like, <laughs> All right, well, let me tell you. Would The Rock have been good as him? Yes. The rock <laughs> Finally, The Rock plays his, his, his true role, which is Teddy Roosevelt. Finally, The Rock has come back. <laughs> Finally! <laughs> Perfect. You know what? That, that does sound kind of amazing. But I, I would yeah. like to talk about the last great performance I've seen from him. Which was on an episode of Louie. That's right. Oh, before we talk about the last great performance, I just want to say um, my favorite performance that I've seen of his mm-hmm. was not actually in a movie. Oh. It was an HBO special that he did, a stand-up. Right. Uh, ah, okay. I think it was from 2002. Or let me look at the. Let me go back to IMDb. Um, if it's on IMDb. Well, you have to look for uh, him as self if you're looking for that. Oh, I see. Self. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see here. Yeah, it would have been right around 2002, I think. 
Well, he's definitely had a couple things. I know, because he's had a few different like HBO specials. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Robin Williams Live on Broadway in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a two-hour special of him just doing all this different, all these different stand-up routines. And it, it is like... I, I watched it when I was in college, and the truth is it might not be as good now. You know, my tastes have changed somewhat since then. Um, but, uh, but it was, I mean, like, just tear-inducingly, like, like, you know, just rolling on the literally rolling on the floor, like, well, laughing. He had that kind of, like, manic energy. If you remember, Benji, when we rented from uh, <laughs> Blockbuster the Saturday Night Live that he hosted, do you remember? Mm-hmm, yeah. The videotape. And it was pretty decent. Was, you know, he had, like, his monologue was this kind of crazy monologue. And then at one point he plays, like, an older version of himself, and Dana Carvey plays his son, who, like, comes in and does all these, like, he does all the Robin Williams impressions. Yeah, that was great. And then at the end, Rob, the old Robin Williams dressed up, he's like, ugh, I don't have the heart to tell him he's adopted. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which was a good tag. So, I mean, I remember when I was in college, I heard a lot of his older stuff. Yeah, you know, it was just for whatever reason, a lot of it was circulating around. So I heard a lot of his older comedy routines from like the 70s and 80s. Some of it didn't age as well, but you know, there was definitely stuff that was you know still funny then. And if you remember from Mrs. Doubtfire, that you know that one like a really good scene where well, there's a few, but one of them was where he just does like a series of impressions that like this like like rapid fire, and he must have had probably so many more. But like he had such a great sense of comic timing. You remember that? Yeah, you remember yeah, that movie? Definitely. You know, he's like, after I box him. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was it's not to Lex, but he's like, I think I've made a friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and even with the problems that Mrs. Go- you know Mrs. Doubtfire had, which it, it does, but you know, I think that he he had such a great presence. And honestly, at least his performance holds up. It does of, of, of that of that movie. Like there are some things in there that are Whoa, like, you yeah, know, yeah. okay, this is this is like not like the greatest movie, and it's not like as you were saying, <laughs> yeah. there's some issues and some things that are kind of dated. And right. like, and Pierce Brosnan is kind of awesome himself, and, and yeah, uh, well, the and only is, but 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 he but his role is it's still hilarious. Like yeah, well, that, that was actually one of the things I I think does work well about Mrs. Doubtfire is that Pierce Brosnan doesn't play a dick. He plays like a right. decent guy, which is right. like, yeah. and that's why right. it, it makes it's like more interesting because it's like it's a better portrayal of divorce. Like, you know what? You know, she found someone else that also cares about her, and it's a different thing. You know, well, like he, there's a little bit of him like that. Apparently, he was like kind of a player or something like that before then. But but he makes the point. He's like, I want to settle down. Like, I I really I really care about her, and I and I and I and I love the kids and all that. Yes, you know, but he's not he's a player of, anymore, though. That's the right. point. No, no, but, but that's the whole thing, and it also is more realistic. Like she's she's had enough of him. She's not into it anymore, and it's kind of painful to, to watch. And then she, and then also when she like talks about it later about like how everything was declining, you know, while yeah. he's still in Mrs. Doubtfire mode, you know, and it it's is more of, realistic. And it's funny because I feel, you know, you sort of feel like that he felt the same way. He just did, couldn't right. admit it. You know, he was sort of caught up in the same sort of momentum. Because, you know, a lot of times the people will stay together even when they don't want to for the kids. So it's not exactly unusual from that yeah, perspective. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. Think, it could be, I mean, still, the, whole, the whole thing was about his kids, pretty much. You that, know, that was really what the main thing was. Because that was what their fight was about. 
their fight was about the children. That was what those broke the, the that was a straw, you know. And also yeah. the fact that a House of Pain was playing when she came in. Yeah. But like, but <laughs> <True>. <laughs> she didn't like that too much. Nobody oh, likes hippity hop. Uh, yeah, Irish rappers, man. No sir. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, and you then, know, yeah. it's funny. Like, I feel feel uh, you, people like Hook a lot. I'm not such a huge I fan. love Hook. I mean, I'll tell you this much: Justin Hoffman was amazing, and Bob Hoskins was um, like super amazing. Right. Uh, but everything else, like, like kids, like it's fun. It's this, when you're a kid, it's a lot better. But you know, I've rewatched it since. When I one time, you know, my old roommate uh, Bill Fritz, he had a copy, <laughs> and one time he had like a movie night. Like, let's watch Hook, and I did not vote for Hook. But <laughs> it was like I'll watch it, whatever. And you I said Pendlegrass. How dare you! <laughs> And and Hook is still... It's still charming, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is is still charming. I I just... uh, I don't think it's amazing. There are some really good... No, I mean, listen. But people didn't think it was amazing. Even at the time, people weren't like, oh, this is the greatest Peter Pan movie ever. Like It's Spielberg. That's why people hated it. Because people hated Spielberg. Don't forget. And that may be true, but like the stuff that he said, like the conversation. Okay, there are great things. The conversation that that his wife has um, with with him early on, mm-hmm. saying like, "This is the time when your kids want to play with you and they want to be around you, and you're missing it right now." Like, yeah, that was, totally. That was a really good. That like, that, like I feel I like there's some good. That was some good Spielberg. The problem is the yeah. movie is over two hours long. It, yeah, it is it, a little. Long. That you know, I think that if it was like tightened up in a couple places, was more like a nice. You know, even 120 or 98 or 110. You know, there's so many, like, smaller versions of the movie that I think could have made it a really great movie. To me, I just think it's it's fine. It's fun. But the truth is, when it comes down to it, I don't know. I feel like even though he had a really great, like, small performance in the Louis episode that we saw, I mean, he was really great there. And I feel like the one great voice performance he's all, he's done was in Aladdin where it was just sort of like it was everything that he had coming out even from the point later on in the movie where he got a chance to play the genie as sort of it's like sad because he had to he was forced to do what Jafar wanted yeah and you know it wasn't a huge amount of range that he was given to do but it was a decent one and you know obviously he got a chance to riff a lot and totally, a lot of that went over my head as a kid. Like, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Right, 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 who's, right, right. Who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I only knew who Groucho Marx was, because when I was in my seventh grade play, they had one of the guy, one of the people wanted to do a character like Groucho Marx. And he ended up doing it more like a stereotypical Russian scientist, but at the time I was like, oh, okay. So I sort of knew the, the style because of that. Of course, I don't know if you remember, Bench, or you, Sam, that play I was in, The Mouse That Roared. Yes, of course yeah. I remember that play. Yeah, so I don't know if you remember, but one guy in our grade, um, his last name was Schneider. I'm not going to say his first name, just to protect him a little bit. Uh, he, I, let's just chalk it up to, I don't realize what's offensive as a kid. Uh, he played a, uh, it was basically a yellow face character. It might as well have been, the way he like minced around and mangled his vowels, mm-hmm. and, you know, chuckled, and the, his costume. I just recently was thinking about it, because I was thinking, man, was I a good actor at the time? Because I remember thinking the guy who played the lead was terrible, 
But I thought maybe it's just like bad memory. It's like his, you know, how it is when you're a kid, you know, not necessarily remembering correctly. So I decided to rewatch it because we have a we have it on video that I converted. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Video. My voice was so shrill. <laughs> now, so, now I did mug a little bit, but I think, but actually, my performance was pretty good. Now this guy I mentioned, he was still bad, but it did give me a chance. I think like, I got to rewatch that, that terrible racist thing. Let me see right. if it was as racist as I remember, and yeah. it was totally worse. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that being said, I feel like. You know, when you can rewatch Aladdin later on and say, like, you know, look at, you know, and realize the depth of stuff that he put into it, I think, you know, there's a reason that that's, you know, stuck with people and people try to replicate it, even himself. He tried to replicate the same kind of energy in other movies. And let's not forget, he sang, what, two songs in that movie? Well, let's see. He sang Friend Like Me, and he sang Prince Ali. He sang Prince Ali. Right, that's two. Yeah. yeah. And he sang he sent Awesome. Like, those yeah. are classic Disney songs. Oh, yeah, no. Some of their best, for sure. So, you know, I mean, I feel like, you know, he definitely had an amazing career, and, you know, it wasn't... And let's not forget Friend Gully. Well, if, if he we He sang must. a song in that one, too. I suppose... <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. that, uh, I mean, Benji, what do you think? What's your favorite performance? It's hard. It's really hard to say. I think I ultimately go with a with uh, the genie, with Aladdin. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that's that's what I end up going towards. Um, and then under that, um, under that, uh, um, Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, uh, but but Aladdin also because he did the third Aladdin. Remember he did the the the, the third he did and it, he did a, was, he did a good job there actually. It was awesome. Like it was it was a really it was like that's the only thing that made the, the, that straight to VHS movie bearable. <laughs> True was he had some hilarity going on there. There's everything and part of the thing also that was genius about it is that it was one of those examples of what you can do with animation that you can't do you know with real life and that they actually the genie actually captured Robin Williams's like mania. You know what I mean? Like yeah. every time he switched it to like, because yeah. Robin Williams does yeah. that. He he switches to these different impressions and these different things and references. But it's, they did that like in real time, which it's was surprising awesome. that he yeah. didn't do more cartoon voice work because it seems like that would be so natural for him. Well, he did um, Happy Feet, right? You know, which was a decently done, and he did uh, this movie Robots, which was a bomb, right? But yeah, I mean, none of this, you're right. He didn't really do that much. He did plenty of kids movies. But, yeah, I guess that's a good point. You know, he, he was in this movie, the TV show that was still going, but, I mean, I, I assume it's not going to keep going now, it, which was uh, called The Crazy Ones, where he plays uh, a guy who's a copywriter in an ad agency, and his daughter is played by Sarah Michelle Gellar. Right. So, you well, know, she, I mean, obviously, uh, she w- felt really good bad. Good to see her her working her. again. Well, you know, it's, I feel like she's had kind of a quiet career, you know, since uh, Buffy well, Vampire Slayer. I, I mean, you know, it, it it was canceled, so it's just one of these like sometimes you know people they're still working even up until the end of things. And the thing is, because there's this Night of the Museum movie coming out later, the third terrible movie of the of the series, you know, he's going to be in it too, playing Teddy Roosevelt. So yeah. it's always one of those weird things, like when you see someone after they died. I, you know, like James Gandolfini had that. Philip Seymour Hoffman will still have that. Heath Ledger. 
Uh, Heath Ledger was a you know was like the big example. Yeah. Well, wait, wait, wait. Philip Seymour Hoffman. They finished. They finished filming all of his parts. I thought they had. No, they hadn't. Either. But they they didn't. They're still going to keep in some of it. And also, wow. there there's some other things that he had done that uh, haven't come out yet. But most of it has. Yeah. So I don't know exactly how they're going to deal with it in Hunger Games. But usually, when people you know try to digital insert people, it's not so good. I mean, people are better at it now, but I remember in The Sopranos, after the actress who played his mother died, they had, like, they inserted her into one scene, wow. and it was, like, so weird. So weird. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to see that, you know, I mean, I don't want to see someone putting a digital version of Robin Williams in a movie. You know, when we talk about like you know, when unless is it, it's the genie, when unless is it, it's the genie, then it's fine. You know, when is it sad when a celebrity dies for real? Because the truth is, you know, people can obviously connect, and that's why that's why they care about it. You know, when you connect to somebody, their performance, you can have an emotional connection. So if they die, you care. I, I understand it, even if for the most part that doesn't really happen to me. You know, the first time I ever really cared about someone's death was Phil Hartman. Right. Right. And after that, nobody ever really, nothing ever was, like, mattered in that kind of way. It's like, it's sad, but it didn't really affect me. I felt, like, legitimately sad about Phil Hartman dying. And with Robin yeah. Williams, I don't really feel sad, per se, but I do feel, like, kind of bummed, I guess. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, it's also different because he died. Robin Williams was a lot older when he died, than Phil Hartman. True, but he, he, um, there is Phil a, Hartman was well, like right in the middle of his career. There's a similarity, which is that they you know they died, you know, not of natural causes. Right, 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 right. So yeah, that's, that's always more of a tragedy. Like you know, Lauren Bacall just died, and I was like, okay, well, you know, she was old, and she had a well, no, huge no, 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 career. But you mean you mean not of natural causes in terms of someone actually actually killing someone. Natural causes means just like illness. No, I, I, illness. I know, no, no, but Philip Seymour Hoffman did. But I'm saying, like, when someone dies of an overdose, it's like a little. I think people are a little desensitized to it to a certain degree because there are all these stories, especially if so many of these celebrities and rock and roll stars who die of overdoses. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's not as big of a. Well, then it, uh, it's easier to blame them, if you will, because people like to do that. You know, they 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 like to blame, like, well, whose fault is it? It's got to be them because come on. You mean, you mean for overdoses? Mm-hmm. He said, "Well, you know, he shouldn't have been overdosing." Yeah, I suppose. I suppose that's the case. Same thing. Like also, just with 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 suicide. So you just think people are, are more sympathetic with like a suicide? Than more they sympathetic? Are. Yes, but still, people certainly are still blaming him. I've heard some people say calling him like a coward. Yeah, people like to say dumb shit. Like, I mean, listen, people. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what's going on with him. Like, I, I can say from, like, this far, far away point and be like, oh, he shouldn't have killed himself. Yeah, because in a general way, I don't think people should kill themselves. But I have no idea what's going on in his head and everything. Right. And, I was, and what yeah. I just don't know. So I was so. having a uh, discussion with someone at work. And, you know, he's a he's a foreign guy. So there's I think there's a little bit of a cultural misunderstanding about some of these things that some other country, they don't think they have as good education on what depression really is. But he was saying he didn't understand it. Like, how could you... And I said, well, it is hard to understand. But, you know, he was living with pain. I said, imagine if, you know, your hand 
just started feeling horribly painful all the time. And there was nothing you could do. Well, maybe you would feel at one point that maybe you just want to cut it off. But what if that pain is in your head? There's nothing you can do. You can't cut off your head. Yeah, that's actually a very good explanation. Yeah, that is a pretty good explanation. <laughs> well done. And so, that's really good. so, he, so he he did understand. He finally understood what I was trying to say. And I feel like you know that's kind of what it is. And it is hard to understand depression because it isn't just being sad. It is something more significant. It's a pain. It is a, you know and also, I mean, he, I don't, he, he had years of drug abuse, which I'm sure exacerbated. I don't know his specifics. I just know that a lot of times... I think it's pretty pretty publicized that he had drug, drug abuse well, issues. Well, I'm just saying, like, felt. how he personally felt. I just know right, that, I'm, you know... I'm just saying that it exacerbates it. Yeah. Depression certainly is like a pain. It does, you know, it can feel like this oppressive cloud over you that you can't control. You know, and some people take medication, and some people don't. Some people take therapy... Or some people can work through it, some people can't. You know, it's a different, you know, it's not the same for everyone. The, the, additional, the additional thing that you sometimes realize is it's not always just the cause, but being in, I mean, being in, in Hollywood and things like that, there are, there are its own pressures and ups and downs. You know, and things like this can affect a lot of people in a lot of ways, even if they don't have depression, supposedly. You know what right. I mean? Well, you're right so about like, that. You know, I, I don't know if that was specific to Robin Williams. I mean, I don't like it. Once again, it sounds like a like a I don't want to say a sexy story, but it sounds like a very dramatic story to say he had this big peak and then he just kept kept like falling and falling and things that that weren't yeah. successful. Well, that's just I mean, not that, true, though. For the most part, it's true. Well, he he, he didn't. I mean, sure, but he was nineties especially. He's but, never had the same huge heights he did in the beginning of the nineties. But right. you know, he's been regularly working. For years, I mean, like, can you right, look exactly. at his IMDb? Can you find one year that doesn't have at least one credit from him? Right, I don't right, think so. Right. Yeah, right. and maybe not everyone is a huge payday, but I'm sure he, you know, he did decently for his TV show. Yeah, it was canceled, but he still had it. He was in a, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, he was he was definitely working and had recognition. But and he because, was on Louis, which yeah. is something. And just because <laughs> you know, yeah, but just because you're working doesn't mean that you know you're able to get past this. But right, you know, exactly. I just, you know, yeah, you're, you know, as you say, Benji, people will say all sorts of things. People are jerks. People don't understand. People want to try to hurt other people. They think it's funny. You know, they might be sociopaths or they think, like, you know, it makes them, it, it's a way for them to deal with feeling pain by making other people feel pain. You know, you, you might feel like, oh, I don't like feeling sad, so I'm going to make fun of it. Right, 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 right. Obviously, and, and, yeah. that's not yeah. everybody. I'm just saying, you know, that happens. And he's also he's also an interesting. It's also interesting because I think people's opinions can be divided about him because he's not actually an easy guy to peg down as being like a specific type of guy because he's like, um, I mean, you know, for some people they're this comedy actor, this comedian, or some people the dramatic actor, some people there's an action thing. He really did a bunch of stuff. He was kind of he he was kind of multifaceted. I mean, he was more on the comedy side when it came down to it, but he really was kind of an interesting an interesting guy, an interesting actor in general, interesting performer. Because he did a bunch of stuff, you know, in different angles. And he could handle it. Like, he could do very serious, and he could do yeah, very... To me, to me it's interesting that a guy who was known for being, like, a screwball comic actor also, you know, had a, at least a couple of roles where he played, like, very, just, like, very dark, serious characters, you know, that were just creepy and, like, not funny at all. Um, yeah. You know, that's range. That's, like, acting. Or, know, or just serious, dramatic characters, mm-hmm. too. I mean, yeah. He could, yeah. he could, he could do it. Like 
easily and still had and the other thing about him is that he had a kind of humanity to him like you felt like he was your friend he cared about you you know what i mean he, he was kind of like that i think that's also what people identify with so yeah you know it's it's always an interesting thing to think about you know when does it change from being like a character actor there's to being an actor one thing that i think is sort of consistent at least in his early career is like his his yeah. persona was like being sort of like an everyman. Like even though he was really funny and spastic and like he rapid fire jokes, mm-hmm. but like he was That's also true. like a regular guy. He wasn't supposed to be a genius, you know. He wasn't. Right. Su- he was supposed to like, and so he somehow managed to like tie those things together. You know, yeah. the, the rapid fire comedy with also just being like like just an identifiable person. Um, you know, who doesn't seem like, um, you know, like just out there. So it's yeah. you know it's not it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even Hook. Hook, he was in every... Even in Hook... I'm thinking of, like, Hook, Mrs. Doubtfire, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Cool. All right, well, I I think we had some nice discussion. We got a chance to sort of, you know, share our memories as well. We talked a little bit about the movies earlier. I think this was an interesting conversation. Yeah. So until we guys meet again, nerd you later. Nerd you later. Nerd you later.